0: Surprise your loved ones this Christmas with a Goat Gun, the ultimate gift that won't disappoint. Shop at GoatGuns.com.
1: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. You enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the human capital innovations podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Johnny Crowder about mental wellness in the workplace. Johnny Crowder, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
0: Thank you, a ton for having me.
1: Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Florida. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about mental wellness in the workplace. This is a super important, timely topic. It's always important to consider uh, mental wellness as well as physical wellness of Uh, ourselves, of our families, of our people within our organizations. Today, we're going to be focusing in specifically on mental wellness in the workplace. But of course, aspects and principles of what we're going to be talking about will have application in other areas of our lives as well. As we get started, I wanted to share Johnny's bio with everybody. Johnny Crowder is a suicide and abuse survivor, a TEDx speaker, billboard-charting heavy metal musician, and the founder and CEO of Cope Notes, a text-based mental health platform that provides daily support to users in nearly 100 countries around the world. I think that's all fantastic. You have such an interesting background. Before we launch on into the topic for the day, uh, perhaps you can share just a little bit more about your background, your personal context, and then we can dive more on into that conversation.
0: Yeah, I... um... If this tells you anything, I used to run uh, the original version of Cope Notes was called Not a Therapist. And the whole point was to clarify to people that um, like right now I'm a certified recovery peer specialist, but I am not a doctor. And this means that everything I share about mental health and in fact, a big reason why I'm so passionate about it is that while I did go to school for psychology, I did get a psychology degree. um, I learned less in my years in college than I learned like in real life living with mental illness. So I always like to stress to people. um, I'm not telling you what I think you need to do from a clinical perspective. I'm saying I've lived through this. I've been there. And these are my real insights from my real life.
1: Yeah. And that lived experience, that lived expertise, I think is so very important, especially with this topic, um, because it's really, really hard for somebody who hasn't experienced debilitating anxiety or depression, uh, who had prolonged depressive episodes or someone who has had suicidal ideation. It's almost impossible for someone who hasn't experienced that to truly wrap their head around it. You can have some empathy and compassion and you can try to understand, but it's, it's, impossible, uh, to really get it if you haven't experienced it yourself. And so bringing that lived expertise and experience to the conversation, I think is just hugely, hugely important. Of course we need, uh, we need clinical psychologists and, and, uh, therapists and, and people with those credentials and that training as well. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time and the opportunity to share your insights with me and my audience today to share more about the app, Um, but also just the topic generally, uh, because we are in a mental health crisis and mental health tsunami in the US and really globally. Uh, In part, it was accelerated by the pandemic, but this has been an issue for a long time. We've seen the signs uh, and we have all sorts of challenges that are contributing to the, the mental health issues that people are facing. And so then the question becomes, how do we Sustain our own mental health. How do we uh, promote and support the mental health of those around us? And if I'm a leader in the workplace, how do I make sure that my team is getting the care, the attention that they need, uh, so that they can be healthy? Which, of course, will help the bo- bottom line of the organization because they'll be more productive and, and innovative and mm-hmm. such. But also, just from a human perspective, we just want to make sure we're taking care of our people. Uh, and so, these are all the types of things that that we're going to be exploring. Um, And I wanted to start with vulnerability here. Um, When I think about a leader setting the tone and creating a safe space where people feel comfortable, they feel safe to actually share about some of their own mental health challenges. I think we need more leaders who are willing to open up about their own struggles. Uh, and it's, it's super common. So chances are most leaders, uh, if, if not a high percentage have experienced their own mental health challenges in the past, yet we have this culture, especially in the West, we have this culture of, uh, stoicism and leaders need to always put on a, a brave face. And, uh, and, the, and, so we have this kind of strong facade, but then we don't share in vulnerable ways. Um, the types of challenges we faced. And, and the irony there is when, when we don't share, then we're shutting down. Even if, if, even if we want to be supportive, we're shutting down the opportunity for our people to also be vulnerable and to open up. So what would you say to leaders, you know, about how to create that safe environment, that psychologically safe, um, culture, uh, through their own vulnerability?
0: Yeah, I, um, this question brings to mind a specific experience I had late last year um, where I had a team, we had a team meeting once a week. It was like our stand, like our one hour, all hands. And um, I, in the middle of it, one of my employees asked me, are you good? They like uh, sl- sent me a message on zoom. And I didn't even realize that my face had been showing what had been going on in my life because that week my sister had been hospitalized and I was so, I mean, any leader knows what it is like to have something explode in their personal life and then have to come into work and feel like, okay, well, I can't burden my team with this thing that's going on in my life. So my, someone on my team sends me a message on zoom, private message. Are you good? And I start tearing up and choking up and I'm just like, guys, I'm just going to be straight up with everybody. My sister is in the hospital right now. And I am freaked out. I am I was like up all night worried about her. Um, She's had some health issues in the past. Um, This is not her first time being hospitalized. This is certainly the most severe thing that's happened. And it's really tough for me to mentally engage with everybody, right? I couldn't even believe the words coming out of my mouth. I was like mortified. But it was happening. I was just kind of word vomiting and saying this is what's going on. And afterwards, I was floored by the genuine kindness of my team. And it wasn't this, no one hit me with the, oh, you poor baby, or none of that happened. But it was, um, I had a few people say, thank you for sharing on the call and let us know if you can do anything or if you want to step out, we can finish the meeting on our own. Um, And then... The next week I had team members messaging me saying like, now I feel comfortable sharing what's going on in my life because you did. So I can't say I made the brave decision to share because I knew that I was setting the example. I basically broke down. um, But in that vulnerability and seeing the reinforcement from my team, I saw how important it is for a leader, to be honest. And you do not I'm not saying you need to cry for it to be effective. I'm saying the moment you remind your team that you're also a person, I can almost guarantee they'll be more excited to work for you because then you go from being a boss to being John. You go from being CEO to being Christine. And that is powerful in a workplace setting.
1: That authenticity um, and the trust that can come from it will only happen as people are vulnerable. So in this uh, instance, what you're describing is vulnerability around your personal life, your own mental state, your concern for your sister. Um, mm-hmm. But it could be anything, right? Uh, totally. We have to we have to be vulnerable in order to develop trust. That's like the building block of it. And and when people put on a facade and a brave face, you're never really connecting and you're never really building trust with each other um, because you don't feel safe enough to do so. And, and so that is the crux of it. Uh, I, I need to show appropriate levels of vulnerability to my team to open up the possibility of them also sharing and just to develop mutual accountability and trust with my team. Everyone talks about how important trust is and open communication and such. On the one hand, on the other hand, then we start to talk about vulnerability and people sharing messiness of their personal lives or their mental health state or their physical health, and then all of a sudden people get all nervous and and they close up, and and I, I I'm not sure people always understand the irony there or just like the 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 disconnect <laughs> between you know what we say we want versus what we're actually doing, and so let's look for op- those opportunities, and it's all about developing that culture. Uh, within your team and that safe environment. So, what what's been your experience in terms of how leaders can foster a culture of mental wellness? Uh, always, and, and so we have times like Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, there are other opportunities that might come up, you know, because there's something that's big in the news uh, that you can address uh, with your team or such. But besides even those big things, like what are ways that we can start to establish that kind of a culture and environment? just on a daily basis so that people just know they can come and bring their true whole authentic self to the workplace. And that together, you know, uh, uh, rising tide lifts all ships and, and many hands make light work and ultimately we can help each other and support each other.
0: Yeah. The, the first thing that comes to mind is there, I see so many icebreakers in all hands meetings Um, that are like, oh, what's your favorite TV series or what's your favorite ice cream flavor and stuff? And I see people doing that and I'm like, "That's, that's cool maybe for like the first time anyone's meeting each other. But think about how powerful a question that is deeper could be and having everybody share publicly like what's something... Um, that you experienced that no, none of your coworkers know that you experienced or what's something, and obviously there are limits. You don't want to just say, Hey, tell everyone the most traumatic thing that ever happened to you, like use your best judgment, but there are opportunities to kind of encourage people to share a little bit more of their personal life. And I think when we, when leaders talk to me about mental wellness, they think, do I need to do a yoga day or do I need to do, um, you know a therapy week or whatever and it's like first of all just for this conversation abandon all preconceived notions you have about what mental health needs to look like because sometimes true interpersonal connection with someone at work can do more to mitigate stress and anxiety and depression than any amount of uh special you know scented lotion you can put in the bathroom so i always want to focus on connection i also want to um Say that as a leader, if you are, let's say you pose a question like that to everybody and either, um, you know, we, we want everybody to answer the question in the meeting. You start, you have to start. You say for me, um, when I was a kid, I would get so angry when I played soccer that I would kick the ball out of the field and I would ruin the game for everybody. And it's something that I've had to work really hard on to not be as competitive, to not lose my temper as easily. And it's even something today that I think about, like how can I be less competitive and more of a team player? And you showing that gives permission. It's basically um, like picture Lord of the Rings, right? And all these characters are like crossing this rickety bridge across this giant crevasse. And if they fall, they fall into the abyss. And you are saying, go across the bridge everybody go. And there's like rotten wood and the rope is frayed. And I think that's what leaders feel like when they're like, well, why aren't people opening up? Why aren't people telling the truth? But if you as a leader walk halfway across that bridge and bounce on it to show them that it will not break, everybody will follow you. So I always encourage leaders, if you do ask people to open up, you have to be the first to do it and show them, listen, I just opened up and I didn't get fired. The workplace didn't explode. Now I want to encourage you to do the same so that I can do what you just did for me, which is just listen.
1: Make this Christmas memorable with Goat Guns. Get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection. From historical classics to modern weapons, we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast. Surprise your loved ones with the gift of Goat Guns, the perfect blend of quality and detail. Shop now and spread the joy at goatguns.com. Yeah, listen, model appropriate vulnerability. Um, and like you said, uh, just demonstrate uh, for your people the safety that is there. I was having a conversation uh, just yesterday. Uh, I was in a big uh, retreat meeting and I'm a university professor. We were having conversations about innovation in the university space and innovation in the classroom and and trying new things. And the culture... Uh, at the university. And it's this way at many universities is, uh, you know, status quo and and like tradition and innovation is, 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 is talked about and people say it's a good thing, but when it comes down to how professors are evaluated, it can be a dangerous thing because if you try something and it doesn't quite work, um, then you can get dinged big time and it could really hurt you and your career and, and so on and so forth. So we were talking about like, how do you just create an environment where professors are willing to innovate and try different things, knowing that sometimes it's not going to quite work out and that only can happen as you have safety. And so we were, we were talking about trying to convince the provost and the president and some other high level executive level people at the university um, to be more open and vulnerable now they're a little bit resistant to do that because that seems counter sure. to what their model of of leadership, uh, and and dem, you know and and showing a little bit of uh, messiness behind them and who they are and what the work that they do. But we, we've really encouraged them to do that to help set the tone because until you have people from the top modeling that, regardless of the. What you say, and you may you may say all the right things and you say it may say it's important, regardless of all of that, people are still going to be skeptical, they're still going to be distrustful, um they're still going to be nervous, all of that, and so you just have to be able to model it uh, for your people if you want those types of behaviors to become normal and just you know commonplace in how the the organization functions or how your team functions. And there's no shortcut to that. Um, as you were talking about the rope or, or as you were talking about the bridge, you know, I was thinking back to my teenage years when, when I, I was a boy scout and I actually like, we created rope bridges. And so you have this big giant rope bridge. We spend all this time and then it's like, okay, who's going to walk across it? Well, nobody's volunteering for that because everyone's nervous. The whole, the thing's going to collapse and you're going to like plummet to your death. Um, and so of course the person who was helping you to build it, who was teaching you how to do it they have to be, if they believe that what they were helping you accomplish, uh, was the right thing, they have to be the first ones to take that step out. And yeah. and for us, it's it's viewed as a leap of faith for them. If they're confident in what they just did, yeah, take, go out there, model it, demonstrate it. And then all of a sudden everyone realizes, oh, this is completely safe. Um, they have my back. We have each other's back. We can now open up and, I've had that very real experience with an actual rope bridge as a teenager. And that, that has always stuck with me. And, and metaphorically, we, we have those opportunities all the time.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking one of the biggest misconceptions around mental health and workplaces that, we it has to be focused on mental health and like you're asking people to bring in a deeply personal component of their own life without inviting them to bring in other components of their personality so it's kind of like asking them to go from zero to 60 immediately but i think something that leaders can do in the meantime is encourage people to open up about personal things in general because right now people have their work life over here their personal life over here and that's they're not necessarily sharing due to or they're not necessarily reticent to share because of self-stigma or because they feel they might be judged but because this is personal and this is work so the more you can invite people to share about their lives like right now when we do meetings everyone shares about something that they're working on like someone's building a tiny home and someone is renovating their porch and someone tried Uh, stand-up paddleboarding and encouraging people to share those personal things sets a precedent where I'm not talking about depression. I'm not talking about anxiety or bipolar or PTSD, anything. All I'm doing is encouraging people to share a little bit more of their personal life inside of a work setting. And that not only makes them feel more excited to work in this environment because they feel that they get to be more themselves, but also it sets a precedent that if I can share about building this dollhouse for my daughter and share pictures with everybody, then how big of a stretch is it between sharing that and sharing that I'm going through something right now? It's not nearly as large of a stretch as it is if they're not sharing anything personal and then you expect them to share something related to wellness.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's, it lowers the stakes, right? It just makes it so Mm -hmm. much easier. And you set the, like you said, you set the precedents, you just help to establish those relationships of trust, um in in very easy ways, relatively easy ways, so that when it gets to the more complicated, harder things that people you built up that reservoir of trust. And now people are willing to open up and to share. And now we can support each other. Uh, So that's fantastic. We we were just talking about some of the ways we can promote this positive culture, uh, of mental wellness in the workplace, what are some of the things that leaders and HR teams sometimes do probably inadvertently, you know, I think people have the best of intentions, but what do they do that actually often stand in the way of mental wellness, um, that maybe we can start to, to, uh, counteract and, and get beyond.
0: Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is there is this massive overgeneralization when it comes to behavioral health, where we say, hey, listen, we have an EAP, just use that. Or we really only need a resource for the few people who are struggling. That, I think, is the most insidious idea inside of workplace culture, is that there's only a couple employees who are experiencing stress or anxiety or depression or burnout or feeling isolated or lonely or guilty or shameful or or whatever If you took a random cross sampling of your employee base, I would not be surprised if north of 80 or 90% of them would self-disclose that they're going through something really challenging, especially in the last couple of years. So my encouragement is not to focus on the one or three or 5% of your employee base that you think needs the most attention. It is to normalize, 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 make conversation about mental and emotional wellness a part of your culture it's in your culture sheet it's in your onboarding documents it's on posters on the wall you mention these words regularly and not once a year not once a month but it is baked into part of your culture so that people are destigmatized to the point where if they say stress or anxiety or depression i'm just using these as an example if they say anxiety, they're not the only person in the workplace to utter that word in the past year. That's what makes it scary. But if they've heard it brought up by leadership and by other employees, and it's talked about in the culture documents, and it's in newsletters, that exposure does not exacerbate mental illness, which I think is a big misconception. Um, What we do to stand in the way is we make it this fixed, finite, acute, Small niche set of people who face this. Whereas alternatively, we should be focusing on this as a culture where it's like, I don't even care how you feel right now today. Mental wellness is still part of our culture. So you could feel amazing. You could feel bottom of the barrel or anywhere in between. That doesn't change that the conversation about mental health is baked into the culture of what this organization stands for.
1: I love it. Let's bake it in. Let's integrate it, infuse it into all aspects of the organization. Just like we talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. diversity, equity, and inclusion and baking that in or ethical Mm -hmm. decision-making, baking it in or social impact or meaning and purpose, bake that in. Like this is one of those things we need to just bake in to everything that we do within our organization. We just need to normalize it. We need to make it a constant part of what it means to be part of the team and part of of this workplace. And if we're, if we want to have a good, you know, workplace environment where we're focusing on employee experience and we want to attract and retain great people. This is one of the ways to do it. Make your um, organization, make your team uh, an employer or a team of choice where people know that they want to go work there. They want to work with you because they know they're, they're going to be supported because everyone has stuff. Like you said, everyone has stuff. I, I don't know anybody, <laughs> even though those people yeah. who, even people who seem like the most like buttoned up successful, everything's going right for them in their lives. Um, They may have a lot of privilege. They may have wealth. They may have fame. They may have all those things. Everyone's got stuff and everyone's Mm -hmm. struggling. Um, That's just the world we're in. And that's the the nature of the human condition. And so we just need to learn how we can be more supportive. Well, Johnny, this has just been a really fantastic conversation. I really appreciate your insights and sharing all of this with me and my audience. Before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
0: Yeah. Um, quickly, johnnycrowder.com has all of my speaking stuff. It has both my TED Talks. Um, so if you're interested in learning more about my advocacy work, johnnycrowder.com. If you want to learn about Coke Notes and try it for free, um, you can go to copenotes.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at johnnycrowderlovesyou. And my last word on mental health is just the fact that if you are a leader and you're listening to this, This says a ton about you as a leader that you spent 25 minutes listening to a conversation about how to foster mental wellness inside of the workplace. This means that you're already in the top 25% or whatever of leaders in the world because there are leaders out there who don't care enough to listen to a conversation like this, much less to take action. So I just want to encourage anybody listening don't think, how am I going to become the type of leader? Who can do this. If you already listened to this conversation, you are the type of leader. You just haven't taken the action yet.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Johnny. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Johnny and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. <laughs> you enjoy the human capital innovations podcast. Enjoy ad free listening